So before I start, though, I want to give you just this little testimony. You, as Ken said, I'm a Mimi now. You all know we have Nora and we have Milo and then we have Joa. Nora and Milo are my Heathers, who was up here with worship, and uh, Josiah. Um, and then our, our Joa is um, Matt and Alyssa's in there in, in the Nashville area. But Nora is almost three. She's not quite three yet. Talks up a storm um, and as smart as can be. And she said to me on Thursday, she said, Mimi, I cannot find my little kitty cat. My kitty cat stuffed animal. It's her little beanie baby kitty cat, and it's one of her favorites. I said, you can't find it. What happened? I don't know, Mimi. I've lost it. It's lost in the house somewhere. And I said, well, Nora, I said, I'm sorry you've lost your kitty cat. I said, but you know what? We can ask Jesus to help you find your kitty cat because Jesus can find anything. And she said, okay, Mimi, you pray. So I said, dear Jesus, Nora has lost her kitty cat. Will you please help her to find it in the house or wherever it is? Will you please help her to find it? Friday night, she comes in. We're in here. And she says, Mimi, I found my kitty cat. I said, where did you find it? She said, I found it in the, dirty, in the, clothes, in the clothes basket. I said, wow, you found it in the clothes basket. That is so awesome. I'm so glad you found it. Do you remember what we did when you said you lost your kitty cat? Do you remember who we said we were going to ask to help you? Jesus! I said, that's right. We asked Jesus to help you find it. Did you tell him thank you for helping you find your kitty cat? She says, thank you, Jesus, for helping me find my kitty cat. She's very expressive. For helping me find my kitty cat in the clothes basket. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for helping her find her kitty cat. A cute little testimony, but that, that is something I've lived my life by. I've lost this, Jesus. Can you help me find it? We've lost the car keys. Can you help us find them? I lost my contact one time. Can you help me find it, Jesus? Because they're expensive. Um, Just something to take away this morning. If you've lost something, ask Jesus. He can help you find it. Even if you've lost your hope or you've lost your purpose or you've lost your peace, ask him because he helps you find it. He can help you find anything. So I want to talk with you today, um, continuing the Soul Talks um, series that we've been doing. The message today, being careful with your soul. Um, And we're going to use the passage of Mary and Martha, which I think was kind of cool because the devotion that came out in the email on Friday was this very passage. Um, And I was like, oh, it's always so good to be reassured, Holy Spirit, that I'm hearing you and not off in left field somewhere. Um, so, but this message today about being careful with your soul comes out of my place of where I was going into sabbatical. So I know that you all realize, for those of you who have heard, I was on sabbatical for March and April, and a lot of people say, how was your vacation? Well, it was sort of partly like a vacation in terms of we did go on a vacation with our family, and I got to go out and visit my daughter. But this was something that the Lord was leading me into And I'll tell you why, because I had not been careful with my soul. And it was a season where he said, I want you to step aside. And Pastor Daniel, after going through his sabbatical, came back and praised so much and said, if any of you can take us when it's time to take a sabbatical, I encourage you to take it. We've been in ministry for here at Lighthouse for 32 years. We're coming up on 33 years married the end of this month. Um, And then I've led little lights like it was my own business 
um, as I represented the church in doing that for over, for 20 years. So there were a lot of years, a lot of stuff that had just, you know, began to pile up and, and work its way into my life. And I needed a soul adjustment because I'd gotten out of alignment in some areas. And so the Lord was telling me, it's time, I want you to take this sabbatical because this is the work that I'm going to do in you. And I, it's a kind of a, 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 he gave me a little picture before we ever started. Crystal um, Overland Tucker was here in the first service and I was telling her because she was, the Lord used her to show me some of what he was going to do, but we were sitting next door in the gym for a women's breakfast and we were waiting for it to start. And Crystal took her purse and dumped it out on the table. And, and we all just kind of snickered at him. What are you doing? She says, well, while I'm waiting, I might as well clean out my purse. <laughs> Only women can understand this. Unless you're a guy and it's your car, because I know some of y'all need to do that. Um, so she just dumps it out, and we're just watching her put her trash in a pile and, you know, sorting through it and then putting it back in and reorganizing it. And I felt like the Lord said, that's what I'm going to do in the sabbatical for you. There are things that need to go, and there are things that need to be rearranged and readjusted, and there are things that, that need to be added in. So now I've come out of that sabbatical, and I'd like to say to you, Whoa, I have this glorious picture of the next 20 to 25 years. Not. I don't even know yet what it's all going to look like. But what I do know is in the process, the Holy Spirit has shown me some things about myself, but also some things about the body and how we can easily get our souls out of alignment and what we need to do to get it back into alignment so that we are transformed more and more into his image. So look at the scripture with me today. The passage is in Luke 38 to 42. And I'm going to ask my hubby again to please text me when I'm getting near the time. He did that in the 8 a.m. and then I ignored it and kept going. <laughs> I hope to do better. I hope to do better for this service. <laughs> I did speed up, I think. I talked a little faster, but... Um, Time just flies by when you're just talking so much. So the passage is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So I want to start, first of all, by just taking a look at this passage for a moment. As I've heard this passage for years and years, most of you probably have. Many, many of you heard Mary and Martha's story before? Okay, some of you have. Okay. So I've heard Mary and Martha a whole lot in my years because I've walked with the Lord a long time. I've been in church since I was a baby. Um, so I've heard a whole lot of messages. And um, as I would read this word, this scripture passage, every time it would settle back into me that Martha was wrong and Mary was right. Martha was the one who was messing up and Mary was doing everything right. And I saw them as these two individual people whose, um, whose characteristics were determining how I felt 
it fit with me as far as the kingdom and my walk with the Lord. And unfortunately, most of my tendencies fit with a Martha. So in looking at that, there was this feeling of if I'm doing anything like Martha's doing, then somehow I'm wrong and I messed up and all those feelings that would come with that, which is not the intention of the Lord with anything he does with his word. That's the enemy um, that would do that. But that was kind of the sense that I got. What I want you to do as we look at this passage is not look at, though we're going to refer to Martha and Mary, it's the behaviors and the thought processes that the Lord is bringing. You see, he's looking at two individuals who both have characteristics that are necessary as we walk with Jesus. Not one has the bad and one has the good. They both have the good and they both can have the tendency for the wrong. It's an intertwining of what's happening in both their lives that Jesus wants us to see because both are necessary for our walk and our relationship with him. So let's talk first about what it looks like if your soul is out of alignment. First, your gift shifts from being a blessing to being a burden. You see, Jesus, when speaking to Martha, as he sees all of the work that she's doing for him, he says, Martha, you've become distracted, worried, and upset. Now, the Passion Translation says that she was exasperated. And the Amplified Version says she was worried and bothered and anxious. It wasn't the tasks or the responsibilities that she was doing. It wasn't what flowed from her gift, which was to serve and be hospitable. It wasn't that that was the issue. In other words, it wasn't that you're working too hard. It's not that you're too doing too much. It wasn't the tasks and what she was putting her hands to. It was what was happening inside of her as she was doing those things. She's becoming worried and anxious and distracted and exasperated. And, the, and the Jesus says to her, points out to her, what I gave you as a gift and a blessing, you've allowed to turn into a burden. And I want to address that in you because it's caused your soul to get out of alignment. Jesus doesn't want what he's given us, what he's given to you as a blessing and a gift for you to use in your family, for the kingdom, in your job, to become a burden. So when it has, it causes us to take pause and say, what is happening? Is my soul out of alignment? Because this is what God gave me. Let me take a look at where maybe I've gotten off track. It was the issue that Jesus was addressing in her that now she had shifted from serving in grace to serving through anxiety and through worry and through stress. Did the gift become a burden because Martha allowed it to get out of alignment? I believe maybe that blessing became a burden because as we see in the next one, Martha began living with unrealistic expectations. We can easily become weighed down with the expectations we feel that others might be imposing upon us or that we impose on ourselves. Now, remember, this is a gift that Martha's been given. In fact, Martha fits very well within her culture. It was a culture of, hosp of being hospitable, but it was also a kingdom 
um, a kingdom behavior because part of the expansion of the church was through hospitality. So Martha's on track with her gift and how it's to be used. But when she allows that gift to become a burden, then she has to take that pause and say, okay, what's happening? For Martha, I believe, because she began to burden herself with unrealistic and unhealthy expectations. This is something I found about myself as I entered into the sabbatical. Took me a while to get there um, in that understanding, but there are times that we can be doing work for the body of Christ. We can be doing work for our family. We can be doing work for our jobs, and we're going along, and all of a sudden, we begin to assume these expectations and seeming responsibilities that Jesus never intended for us to carry or for us to do. So Martha probably, in her gift, of course, she wants to serve Jesus well. She's the one who opened the door and said, come on in for dinner. Jesus, and it wasn't just Jesus, it was all his entourage, the disciples and whoever else are coming. So this is not a a, a little dinner party. This is a big dinner party that she's putting on, because, but it's because she loves Jesus, and they have a friendship with him. We learned that with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead when he had died. They're in relationship, so she's probably looking forward to it and excited. What are you laughing about, Danita? <laughs> but I believe that what was meant to be just a service to Jesus suddenly began to turn into, all right, we need to bring out the china. We need to do a 10-course meal here. The house has got to be perfect, everybody. Come on, chop, 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 chop. Let's get it together. Let's get it together. Let's make this happen. I can hear Becca in my head right now. (laughs) I can hear you, Becca. And began to pile upon herself these expectations that Jesus never intended for her to do. And maybe it wasn't just hers. Maybe she had been down the street to the Joneses' house where they had, were hospitable with a dinner party and saw everything that they did and how elaborate that was and assumed some responsibility that that was an expectation for her now to perform at that level. Maybe she'd gone to class at the temple, uh, Hospitality 101. This is what it's supposed to look like. And so she was trying to meet some unrealistic goal there. Good chance that Martha allowed unhealthy expectations for herself because the enemy's just whispering in her ear, you need to do a little more. You're not going to be accepted unless you do it at this. You're not going to be approved unless you do this. It's not going to be enough unless you do this. Somehow tying her worth into it? That's not Jesus' intention at all. And so Jesus is watching Mary, I'm watching Martha all over the place, trying to make something happen that he did not ask her to do. And he calls her out on it in love because he sees the unhealth that it's creating in her soul. Did she feel like maybe she would be disappointing others or letting them down and therefore began to develop habits and behaviors that were unhealthy? You know, as I went into sabbatical and the Holy Spirit started showing me these things about myself, he took me all the way back to my childhood. said, you've been doing this since you were a kid. You've been heaping unrealistic expectations on yourself since you were a kid. My parents never asked me to be what I thought I needed to be. Very loving. 
It was the voice of, in, of the enemy through circumstances and through situations that I began to listen to and believe to say, if you're not more than enough, if you're not over the top, if you don't think this way, if you don't take on this responsibility this way, then you're not, you, you know, you're just not going to be enough. You're not cutting it. You're not going to be everything that you need to be. Unrealistic expectations that he had to start peeling back off of me that I had done since I was a kid. Sometimes just watching my parents suffer financially or, you know, my sister comes along and she creates all kind of havoc. Hannah, that's your mother. Where's Hannah? <laughs> not, not tons of havoc, but she always pushed the boundaries. So I said, I can't push the boundaries. I can't step out of line. I can't do anything wrong. I don't, I don't want to do that to my parents. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to make life more difficult for them. I don't want to, I don't want to. And here I'm heaping these expectations on myself that Jesus never asked of me. And my parents didn't ask of me, but I didn't know that at the time. When you start listening to the voice of the enemy and you give him room, boy, he gets loud. And you can't hear other voices very well. We got to shut him down. We got to shut him down. I think Becky said that very well uh, at, the, at the conference. <laughs> enough. She said enough. We say enough. Wayne Cordero in Leading on Empty, which is a book that I read as I went into the sabbatical so that I could set up some healthy processes and thinking and behaviors going into the next 20 to 25 years of serving the Lord, said we won't be held accountable for how much we've done but we will be held accountable for how much we've done that he asked us to do. All right, the third thing that might reveal your soul is out of alignment, you're frustrated about the changes you think need to happen in others. <laughs> now, I thought it was kind of funny because Martha is, you know, she's, she's suffering from this weight of unrealistic expectations, but yet she turns to her sister and puts expectations, right? We all have expectations of the people around us, that they will be a certain way, that they will serve us or love us a certain way, that they will talk with us a certain way, that they will provide for us in a certain way, they will be a certain way for us. Martha was feeling that towards her sister, and so that kind of thinking, your soul being out of alignment in that fashion, when we say it's the other person, it's them that need the attention. It can stem from a few different things. It can stem from or lead into a few different things. Martha was at the place where if she allowed herself to follow that train of thought, if Jesus, but Jesus, if Jesus hadn't stepped in and put his finger into the real issue, Martha could have walked into an offense against her sister because her sister was not being what she thought she needed to be for her. My sister should be right here beside me, helping me carry this weight, helping me carry this burden, helping me do this work of ministry, helping me serve Jesus, helping me serve people, and she's not doing what I expect her to do. I am on the verge of an offense. We walk every day on the verge of an offense when people don't do what we think they should do. Jesus wants to intervene in that moment if we're listening 
and say, that's not the issue. Let me show you the issue. <laughs> or <laughs> Martha had the potential to take on an offense towards her sister. Thankful that Jesus, in that moment, saved her from walking into that offense. Um, Brigham Young, he actually was a leader in uh, the Mormon church. And you, some of you might be offended that I'm using a quote by a gentleman in another uh, faith place. But, you know, when you have some wisdom, I'm okay with using their wisdom. And he had this wonderful quote that said, he who takes offense when offense was not intended is a fool. Yet he who takes offense when offense is intended is an even greater fool, for he has succumbed to the will of his adversary. You and, all, you and I both know we have an adversary of our soul. And so when we allow ourselves to walk into offense, whether it was intended or not intended, Mary was not intending to offend her sister. I'm sure that that was not her thought when she woke up in the morning. <laughs> I am sitting at the feet of Jesus because I'm offending my sister today. <laughs> that is number one on my list is to offend her. You know what? People are not walking around. I love that Becky pointed that out. She said, people are not walking around thinking all these things about you. They're not walking around thinking about how they can offend you today or how they can do these things to you today. But the opportunity for offense when people don't do what you expect them to do is great. Yes. Don't walk into it. Don't walk into the trap of offense. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Taking up an offense opens the door to unforgiveness. Jesus knew Martha's potential to become offended, and thankfully he stepped in and spoke to the root issue so she would not go there. When you're frustrated about the changes you think need to happen in others, it could stem from jealousy. If I was Martha, I would be looking over at my sister sitting at the feet of Jesus and being like, well, this stinks. Here I am doing all the work. I'm working my butt off over here, and it does not get any smaller, so what is the problem with all this work? <laughs> but she's sitting down enjoying what really she's not supposed to get to enjoy because women don't get to sit at the rabbi's feet. But Jesus led her because Jesus releases women to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God. And he doesn't have any distinction whether you're a male or you're a female. And he says, sit right down here, Mary. If that's your heart and that's your passion, go ahead and sit down. And Martha's just stewing and jealous because her sister gets to sit and receive and get something from Jesus without all the hard work. Have you ever been there before? I've been there before. <laughs> I've been there before. You know, I remember going to, when I was in college, first went to college, Valley Forge Christian College. It wasn't a university yet. It is, it is now. They got their credentialing. But when we went, it also had another name, Valley Forge Bridal College, because they said all the women went there to find a husband. And I didn't go there with the intent to find a husband, but I found the best man. So I'm like, I think in that case, I should be, um, I don't know, what are they, cum, cum laude? Or I should get up in the five, top 5% of that graduating bridal class because I got an awesome man out of that. Um, but when I went in, there was this unspoken thing that 
if you, if you had the good looks, this is for the women, if you had the good looks and you had a really good singing voice and you could play the piano, you were it. Oh, I had none of those. So, so I'm like, okay, um, if that's the ideal ministry woman who's, you know, to be a pastor's wife or to, to serve like that, I am way behind and I don't know what's going to happen here. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit was really good. And he's like, just ignore that and keep on trucking. And so, and, and so I did. But um, all of us come into places where we watch what God's doing in someone else's life or we watch their gifts and their talents and their skills, and, and we can easily begin to develop a jealousy for the, thing, the work of God in their lives because we want that and we don't have it. I mean, I wish I could sing like Molly and Heather and Hannah and these girls up here. I can carry a tune, but you don't want to give me the mic because I'm going to screw you up. I, I, I would love to have one of those. I mean, God, why couldn't you give me the whole package? What's wrong with that? What, you know, I think you knew better than to, give, to, to do those things. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our capacity and our abilities um, to carry what he gives us. That's how he created us. But the tendency to look at another and say, I want what you're doing in them. I want that gift that you've given them. I want that skill that they have, God. In fact, why did they get the new car and mine keeps breaking down? Why did they get the promotion and I'm still stuck? God, why are your, does it seem like your glory is flowing over there and I can't even hear your voice? They've got rivers of living water flowing over there and I'm dry as a desert. What is going on? You see, the potential for jealousy can cause your soul to get out of alignment if you walk into that trap. So don't let the jealousy cause your soul to become out of alignment. In fact, Joyce Meyer says this about guarding against jealousy. Until you can be happy for someone who got what you wanted, you're never going to get yours. I can just see a Joyce Meyer up here telling you that right telling us that right now <clears throat> when you're frustrated about the changes you think you want to have happen in others you have a tendency to want to fix the other person that's what Mar Martha wanted to do the, the interesting thing is she knows Jesus's authority she's seen him raise Lazarus from the dead so th she says to him uh, can't you fix my sister I mean, you, this is what I'm thinking. You raised my brother from the dead. Will you please fix my sister? <laughs> Just fix my sister. Now, Courtney and Beck, I'm not going to ask you all how many times you said that about each other. <laughs> Our soul can come out of alignment when we think the other person is the problem. And that becomes our focus. Martha thought Mary needed to be more like her. He's at, she's asking Jesus to fix her sister and that God would change her and make her more like herself. We may pray for the people in our lives, but we cannot begin to bring our agenda into their life. There's only one who writes the agenda for them, and that's Jesus. 
Now, you may have a legitimate reason to be like, Jesus, they, you need to fix them. There may be a legitimate reason. But Jesus' approach is not out of this unaligned soul that Martha was bringing to him. We have to be very cautious when all we can see is that it's the person that's the problem and the issue. Whenever we feel that's the person that's the problem and the issue, we have a soul misalignment. The word tells us that our battle is not with flesh and blood. So we have to understand there are principalities and powers of darkness that are at work behind that to misalign your soul and get you off track by focusing on what needs to happen in another person. And Jesus, in his amazing love for Martha, said, Martha, she's not the problem. It's in you. If we can recognize, Jesus, what is it in us that needs to change? What is it in me that you need to do before your work in them? We can trust him with the other person. You may think, oh, you don't know them. No, 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 no. We cannot trust Jesus with that, that person. I need to intervene. They need my help. Jesus needs my help here. Let me tell you, you don't have to. Jesus knows them better than they know themselves. He is the one that knows the motive of our hearts. And the word says we don't even know it ourselves. Jesus knows them already. He knows the timing. He knows the season. He knows the depth of work he wants to do in their life. If they don't respond to that, that's between them and Jesus. Our job is to watch our walk with Jesus. We pray for people, but we allow the work of God in their life, in their timing, in his will, and his work, and we don't bring our agenda into the mix. All right, the fourth one, your purpose is being determined by what you do or what you're known for. Your soul is out of alignment if your purpose is being determined by what you do or what you're known for. Somewhere along the way, Martha allowed her purpose to get tied up in her acts of service through in her giftings that God had given her on the work that she was doing for Jesus. Mary's sitting over there getting attention from the rabbi, and Martha's serving in ways that may not always get the same kind of recognition and attention. Any of you that, you know, brings people to your house or whatever, um, you know, in our house, uh, I'm the big cleaner and get the house ready. Ken's the cook. Um, he gets the food ready. Do you know everybody says, oh, the food was delicious. That was so amazing. That was awesome. That was so good. Did, can I tell you how many people come up and say, oh, your house looks so beautiful, so clean, so wonderful. Miss Linda Johnson would do that because she hosts all the time. So we do that back and forth. I'm like, Miss Linda, thank you for all your hard work that you did to get this house ready for us to come because I recognize how much hard work it is. You know, I'm not Martha. This is the Martha part of me coming out, you guys. Um, but how easily that happens. How come I don't get recognized for this? How come I don't get recognized? How come I don't have that same praise, level of praise that they're getting? How come, the, how come I don't, I'm not seen for that? How come I don't get this? How come, oh, it's a dangerous place to go. Somehow our purpose gets tied up in this need for approval and praise and acceptance for us to feel like we're, we're who we are with God. He never intended for that to be part of it. 
We have to be careful that our purpose isn't determined by what we do or what we're known for. There's a, a writer who writes um, for women so that they, she says, I want women to live boldly and unapologetically. But she says this, I find myself sitting with the belief that what I'm known for is who I am. Holding my hands out to receive another form of bondage and calling it purpose. But the freedom in Christ is that being known by him is what the who of us are rooted in. There is no fear when what we do or what we're known for is removed because it never had the final say of who we are anyway. And that our purpose at its very core is just knowing our maker. Just going after him. Just developing our relationship with him. Our value isn't determined by what we do or who recognizes it. Timothy 3.5 says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. You don't have to work for approval, whether it be from man or even for Jesus' approval, because you are already approved. When he did it work on a cross, he already approved you because his precious blood was spilled out to cover you with his righteousness so that all of your own works that you would try to do to attain the approval and the praise and the recognition is not needed because you're already covered with his approval. So how do I get my soul correctly aligned? This is what I've been working on, people. Invite God to shine his light into the depths of your heart. What I love about Martha was she's the one who opened the door and said, come on in, Jesus. I want to host you. I want to serve you. I'm opening the door. Come on in. That's the first step. Invite him in. Invite him to come in. You see, it's when Jesus came into the into the room, into the place, and came up close to Martha that he, he is the light, and he, as the light, shined into her and said, let me show you what needs to be adjusted. Let me show you what I want to transform to make you more like me. When we invite Jesus in, he comes with his light because he is the light. And the more we draw close to him, the more that light turns into us and says, let's look and let's examine what's holding you back. Let's look at what's not aligned to my full purposes in your life. Let's look at where maybe you've gotten a little off track. And he always does this with love. He always does it with love. That's why I love when he says, Martha, Martha. Because I hear the love and the compassion in his voice to her to say, I love you too much to walk in close to you and turn around and leave you the way you are. I love you too much. That's not the work I've come to do in you. I love you so much that when I draw near to you, when you invite me in, I'm going to shine on you and you may not like it. I can't imagine Martha really loving his answer back to her when she said, fix my sister. We do not always like what he says to us, but knowing that we can trust him because everything he does in us, everything he speaks to us, everything he reveals in us is through his love 
because of the transformative work he wants to do in us. We can trust him. Invite him in to shine his light. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and we're not living the truth. To walk in the light involves being open and transparent, acknowledging any darkness that the Lord might reveal in us. The blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all our sin because Martha was in the presence of the light. He revealed the realm of darkness that she was walking in but didn't even know. Sometimes we can't see it for ourselves, but when we draw close to Jesus, we position ourselves for his life to permeate every area. The painting our we painted our master bathroom. We did this whole transformative, uh, you know, work in our bathroom because it was 80s and broken tile and stuff like that. I say Mo, Ken did most of the work. I did the painting. He did most of the work. Painting, painting, painting. Anybody who paints, you all know this happens. Painting, painting, painting. Oh, it looks great. looks great. Uh, I've got the natural light flowing in. And then I go over and turn on the wall light and I'm like, doggone it. I got to go back to this area, and I got to go back to this area, and I got to go back to this area. But if I want the room to be at its grandest, I've got to go back and give attention to those. They look one way in one light, but when I introduce another light, then I see where more attention needs to be given. That's the light of Jesus for us. Second, go against the grain. This is where we get to look at Mary for just a minute. Mary was so awesome. Now, remember, we're not looking at two individuals. We're looking at the behaviors of two individuals that must be intertwined for us to be in our fullness of Christ. Using your gift and the skills that the Lord's given you to work for the kingdom because he is about work. He says, faith without works is dead. You can't go without working and serving the kingdom, but yet intertwined in that are the characteristics that we see in Mary and the thoughts and behaviors we see in Mary. So Mary looked at this occasion of Jesus walking in the door differently. Martha looked at Jesus walking in the door of, I want to serve him through hospitality because that's the gift he's given me. Mary says, I need to serve him in worship because that's what he's given me. Remember, it's not either or, it's both. But he uses the two lives to show us each scenario. So Mary looks at the occasion differently. When Jesus walks in the room, she sees, it's my Lord and my Savior. It is my King of kings. He is the one who's come to bring us life and bring us that abundant life. I want to sit at his feet and soak up. And Martha's like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Who's got time to sit right now and soak up? <laughs> but Mary, Mary's perspective was the necessity of sitting at his feet to learn and to grow in her relationship with him. Mary is enjoying this privilege that Jesus opened up to her, allowing her heart to draw close to him, and she's really not even afraid of what everybody thinks about her. That's going against the grain. We don't worry about what people are thinking about us. She may be even going to hear Martha over there. She is focused. 
She's not paying attention to all the voices around her. She is focused on growing in her relationship with Jesus. When was the last time you set a focus on your relationship with Jesus that shut out every other voice, that sometimes shut out all the tasks that need to be done? It's a hard place to walk, but I believe Jesus wants to show us how to get there by combining and intertwining all of those things that are important in our relationship with him. But that's the focus that Mary demonstrated for us, for us to have. And Jesus loved that Mary sat at his feet. He said she has chosen a better thing. Why was it a better thing than the gifts that he'd given to Martha? Why was it better? I'm going to skip to a quote to tell you. From the sincerity, this is by uh, Charles Spurgeon. From the sincerity of faith and the fervor of love, practical Christianity must arise. And if the food that faith and love feed upon is withdrawn, if sitting at the feet of Jesus be regarded as of a secondary consequence, then both the strength and will to serve the Lord will decline. So it wasn't what Mary is doing is better than yours, Martha. You should abandon it and come to the feet of Jesus like Mary. It was, Mar- it was Martha, you have made this part of sitting at the feet of Jesus less important than the part of serving with your hands. You cannot sacrifice the time at the feet of Jesus for the sake of serving. And that's where we end up a lot of times. I can find myself being busy, doing ministry, serving people, uh, all of those things, serving my family, and forget to sit at the feet of Jesus and invest in my relationship with him. And so we've got to find a way that both of those that can happen. I love that um, Mary went against the grain in terms of um, in, a, in a moment where what she was doing did not seem right in the others, eyes of others. All those men, I wonder what they thought that Jesus is letting her sit right there at their feet. Like women, why aren't y'all in the kitchen? I thank the Lord that that is not my husband's mentality over me. Thank you, honey. He brings me coffee every morning. Did you know that? He serves me. He tries to outserve me. Most of the time, he really does outserve me. I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> He's done very, very well at that. You get an A plus, baby. <laughs> what does it look like for you to go against the grain in your life, in your family, in the way that you go after Jesus and how you serve? Go against the grain. That means go against what comes natural, what's expected of you from others, what maybe you've been expecting for yourself. Go against the grain to go after Jesus. Don't stay in the cultural mindset or even in the mindset that you've allowed yourself to be in like Martha had. Find a way to go against the grain to go after Jesus. Guard yourself against jealousy and unforgiveness. 
We have to stop the comparison stuff. Becky said yesterday, comparison kills. Comparison is a doorway to jealousy. Jealousy is a doorway to offense. Offense is a doorway to unforgiveness. And we don't need to follow in that path at all. So we have to stop that comparison game. Well, I don't have as much of the, that they have, or I don't have the same blessings that they have. We've talked about that already. We have to walk in a place that every time we find ourselves in that, oh, man, she's just so gifted. That stinks. And by the way, uh, she's got chicken legs. <laughs> See, this is kind of what happens with jealousy is, is you begin, you, you see you see something in them that you wish you had for yourself, so you find a way to judge something in them. And this is male or female. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It happens subtly. I say chicken legs because we were talking about nicknames. I think somebody, one of the speakers say, were you called, I think it was Becky, were you called nicknames growing up? And I turned to Hannah, my niece, and I said, yeah, your mom on the bus was called chicken legs. And I was called Ski Slope Nose. And, and so we were talking about how nicknames or words or titles or any of that can, can, you know, if we absorb those things, we could carry those with us and then, then we allow them to mold us in unhealthy ways. I did not let the Ski Slope Nose uh, <laughs> hinder me. And I don't think my sister Chicken Leg comment did either. And I don't know where those come from. It's just kids being ugly. You know, kids can be ugly. But we adults can be ugly. We just don't always let it out. We do it inside sometimes. Well, I really wish I had their gift, or I really wish I had their looks, or I really wish I had their skill, or I really wish I had their money or their prestige or whatever. And in doing that, we start to judge things in their life. We begin to pick up an offense that was never given but the enemy's right here, so we pick up that little offense. And the next thing we know, we don't even want to go over and hug them or shake their hand because there's something working in us on that. If we're going to keep our soul in alignment, we have to recognize the work of the enemy in those regards and shut it down. And like Becky said, say enough. Oh, my goodness. Holy Spirit, will you help me in this area? Will you help me to stop comparing myself to the call you have on another person's life or the gift you have in that person or what you've done in that person? Will you, every time my mind goes there, will you reveal it to me and point it out just like you did to Martha? Because I don't want my soul to be misaligned. I want it to be right with you. You ask him and he's going to do it, so get ready. Because he loves you too much to leave you the same. Invite him in. Ask him. Go against the grain. Guard against jealousy and unforgiveness. And feed your soul so your purpose is strengthened and your motives purified. Feed your soul. Have the characteristics of a Mary to feed your soul. This may look like finding a way to spend more time in the Word. For me, coming out of it, I said, okay, I've got to realign my soul coming out of this sabbatical. And in this, during the time of the sabbatical, how can I feed my soul? Feeding your soul can come in a whole lot of different ways. You're probably thinking, oh my gosh, i got to attend church every single Sunday. You know, I only came twice the entire time of my sabbatical, so it's not about attending church. 
It's releasing the things to the Holy Spirit that are not in alignment, allowing him to cover those, asking him for forgiveness for those things, allowing him to cover it. That's the beginning of feeding your soul, feeding your purpose, adjusting your motives. Release anyone you've had an offense against. Ask for forgiveness for people you've been jealous over. I've had to do that. Ask him for forgiveness for that. I listened to Joyce Myers preach that message, and I was convicted. I was like, oh, my goodness, Jesus. I've had jealousy, and I didn't even recognize it. Thank you for calling it out. You confess it. You give it to him. And then you keep going after him and his purpose. So you release those things to him as he begins to reveal them to you. This is what aligns your soul. This is what reassures your purpose is strengthened and your motives are purified. And in that, yes, there's time in the word. I've had to go back and restructure again to say, I need to make sure that my daily devotion is not just a rushed reading a few verses and taking off to act like a Martha. I've got to figure out how to do my devotions in such a way that I feel like I've sat at the feet of Jesus, even if it's for 15 minutes, and I've gotten a word from him for my day. Now, is every day going to be perfectly like that? No, because that's life, and his grace covers you for that. (laughs) He is not going to be like, you did not do your devotion today or journal. That's not his heart for you. But when we're looking to develop patterns that will feed our soul, these are things to put into place. Be a worshiper. You can sit at the feet of Jesus in your bedroom with the door closed and the worship music blasting. I know you might have kids that are too young to do that. Bring them in the bedroom, lock the door, turn the worship music on, and still do it. And let them wreak havoc around you while you do it. I don't know. (laughs) Those days are a little past me. But when I think about doing that with Nora, she'd be all over the place. She'd probably do it for a few minutes with me. That's okay. Do it for two minutes and turn it off. Start to develop patterns and habits that we saw in Mary that will feed your soul and help define your purpose more and more in Christ. Would you stand with me? Now remember, we are a church all about transformation, and you can't walk out the doors today the same way you came in. You can't just hear the word if the Holy Spirit, maybe nothing has applied to you today, but if the Holy Spirit is taking something from his word today, something in the message, and he's taking it like an arrow to a part of your heart, you have to respond. That's your responsibility today. How are you going to respond to that? Maybe for you, it's just saying it. For me, saying, I've been, de- I've been dealing with some jealousy Jesus, I'm sorry. I thank you for showing me. I am sorry that I let that sneak in. Will you forgive me? Will you wash it away? And if it starts to creep in again, will you make me aware so I can deal with it just like that with you? I can give it right to you right then. Maybe it's been offense or maybe it's it's unforgiveness. How do you deal with that? You simply say, I've let it in. Jesus, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. I don't know what it will look like 
after I ask you to forgive me for this and ask you to help me release it, but I know you're going to. You're going to help me. You're going to do it. Whatever it is today, your responsibility is to say, here it is, Jesus. Here it is. I, I say it. Now I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me where I've let my soul get out of alignment. And thank you, by the way, for showing me. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse it. And anytime I try to go back to that again, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting that you're going to show me. You're going to reveal it just like you did to Martha. The nice thing is the next time we see Martha and Mary, Martha doesn't even bring anything up. She just serves. I think she got it. She lovingly serves. So would you do that for a few minutes? Just under your breath to Jesus so that you don't walk out of here and just forget and don't have time to do it later. Would you take just a minute and give him whatever he's revealed to you? Jesus, we invite you in. Like Martha, we open the door wide into our days, into our moments, into our life. We invite you in to come close. Will you come close, Jesus? We take a step to you. Come close. You are the light, and we ask that you would shine your light in us. Every nook, every cranny, every closet under every rug, every hidden place that we've not let other people see, will you shine and reveal to us where you want to work, where you want to transform, what you want to align. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you. Father, we are about your transformative work in our lives. So help us to let the things go. Forgive us for where we've gotten off track and out of alignment. Help us to align and show us a way, Lord Jesus, to keep our souls and our spirits healthy before you. We love you and we thank you for your goodness and for your amazing love for us.